Well, good morning, church. You may be seated. Well, happy Easter. It's great to have you here. My name is Joe Hishman, one of the pastors at Fellowship Bible Church. You know, throughout the scriptures, as you just read about the church, it's never defined as a building. It's, church is defined as people, and you're people. So thank you for being here, whether this is your first time in any type of church environment. Thanks for coming. If uh, you've been invited by someone and you haven't been connected in a church for years, thanks for coming back. And for those who are part of the FBC family, welcome you. Uh, welcome to you. Thanks for making the trek down here to, to, to TPAC. We really do this so we can open up our arms to more people and celebrate the reality of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what I want to talk about this morning. And I want to celebrate the true story. Christ has arisen. This was incredible news. And those who first witnessed it, it radically changed their world. And I don't know what your response is going to be to the, to the resurrection. But I pray that it's a, it's a response that literally will change your world. See, before the resurrection, there were three words to describe the disciples and the followers of Jesus. Here they were. They had fear, they were helpless, and they were lost. Jesus told them, you're going to fall away. On the night of uh, his betrayal, he said, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And that's exactly what happened. So in the midst of his arrest, his trial, his crucifixion, his death, and his burial— all you read in the book of Mark of where the disciples are is like in Mark chapter 1450, it says this, and they all left him and fled. Wow. I mean, those were really lives caught with fear, helplessness, and loss. But think about their fear with me. They were afraid of what the authorities would do to them. I mean, they arrested and killed Jesus. They were worried about what would happen to Jesus. They were anxious about their future and what it could mean. In fear, Peter denied Jesus. Not once, not twice, three times. He said, I know nothing even of this guy. And then think about their feeling of being helpless. The one who they left everything for was gone and was dead. Their careers that they left ruined, their hope crushed, their feelings of hopelessness and helplessness isolated them away from Jesus and the cross. Think about their loss. The one whom they loved and followed was gone. Their dreams of a restored kingdom dashed. Their king crucified. It was their loss that made them kind of wander around with kind of sadness and confusion is how we find them. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been so anxious, so fearful? Have you ever been feeling just this feeling of helplessness? Have you ever just felt lost? Well, you're not alone. We've all felt that way, haven't we? I want to share with you some stories from people in our church family who have experienced these, these uh, issues. And they want to share their stories. And we'll look at the rest of the story later on in the message. But just take a look at where they were. My name is Bob. And um, I've known the story of Jesus uh, as a little kid. My, my mom took me to church. My name is Sarah. And I've been around the church my whole life. And I'd heard the story of Jesus, but I never understood what that meant for me. My name is Christopher, and last year at this time, I was lost. I had known about the story of Jesus, but I was not living my life for Jesus. 
you know, I knew the story, but I never really, looking back now, I never really bought into it because I measured myself by other things, other worldly things. I was measured by what my salary was, what my job title was. I compared myself morally even to my friends, you know, how do I measure up? Well, I'm, I'm better than that, I don't do those things, so I must be okay. Life just came to a point where I, it was out of control. I was uh, suffering financially, depression, and anxiety, insecurities, and I was covering everything up to make myself appear like I had everything and everything was good in life. My life was basically at a point of not knowing where it was going. Um, I was getting ready to leave a job. Um, I was concerned about my income. I was concerned uh, about what I would be doing next. Fast forward to my college years. Um, on a retreat, the people I was with, they seemed to have something different. They were talking about Jesus a lot, and they had their Bibles, and they would quote scripture, and they would pray, and I just felt like I needed to have what they had. My dad invited me to Easter last year and I attended. As an observer, I watched the stories of other individuals who were going through similar things in life. I always thought I could pray, I would do things. If I was a good enough person, I would be fine. Um, but the fact that I actually would have a relationship with the Son of God was just, to me, that was an amazing thing. So when we were on our way home, we pulled over in a, at a rest stop in western Kansas and got out and the driver of the car took me aside and he shared the gospel and he explained to me that Jesus Christ came to die on a cross for my sins, to offer forgiveness for my sins and to give me eternal life. I was reminded of how Christ does forgive and that's what I needed. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be forgiven. I wanted to uh, have a life for Christ. I don't know if you heard those words. I did. I heard fear, helplessness, loss. But then they heard about the true story of Jesus. You're going to hear the rest of their story. But I want to talk to you about the story of the disciples. What was their response to the resurrection? Something happened in the midst of their fear, helplessness, and loss. Jesus resurrected. Remember that one that they feared was dead? He was alive. The one that they lost hope in offered them living hope. The one they lost, they found, and he was risen, and he would, they reunited with him. It was a major difference. It was a marked difference in their lives. And their key responses forms the foundation of every follower of Jesus ever since the resurrection. Their first response was that of faith. They moved from fear to faith. Now, certainly the resurrection is a historical event, but it also became the hinge of faith in Jesus. The resurrection substantiated two key claims, truth claims, of biblical Christianity. It, it proclaims who Jesus is, his identity, and what Jesus did. Not just what he did in the world, but what he does for us. And with the resurrection, the person of Jesus, since he resurrected from the grave and appeared to his disciples, it's consistent with his claims. And it's reasonable to believe that he was God. And if he's God, he's holy and righteous and he's all-powerful. Peter, the one who denied Jesus, after that resurrection, he was someone who would say about the work of Jesus. He said this in 1 Peter 1.18. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. 
1 Peter 1.18, he says that you were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Peter says not only in the identity of Jesus, but his work is that Jesus lived the perfect life for us, a life we all need. Jesus died the final death for us. Jesus rose on the third day. His resurrection literally meant for them that Jesus defeated the power of sin and death and offers eternal life through his name. Later on, and this is where our anchor verse is for the morning, in 1 Peter 1.20, it says this. About Jesus, it says, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world. See how it links him back with God? But was made manifest in this last times for the sake of you who, through him, are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. What would it look like for you to be a person of faith? A person of faith in the person and work of Jesus. Some of us approach God with more fear than faith. We tend to feel like that that authority figure in our lives, and we don't like that authority, right? Because our authority is going to highlight where we've messed up, and he's going to point out where we don't measure up. It's kind of like, I don't know, I mean, it's kind of like that policeman who's shooting radar on the road that you're late for work for. You know, what do you do? You see that policeman, you see the, and you slam on the brake and you hope he doesn't notice the, the front of your car going down. And then you pass by them. And then when you can't see them anymore and you see that they don't have lights, you go, and then you pick it back up, right? See, as long as you're around that authority, you fear that authority. But when you're not there anymore, you really don't care. Well, I remember several years ago, I was in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I was walking through a parking lot. And I heard a kush. Sure enough, there was a, a dude. He was breaking into a guy's car and he smashed the window and he's in the car and cell phones just came out. So I got my cell phone and I went 911. I'd never dialed that before. And I said, yeah, there's a guy and it's at a parking lot. And I told him where the parking lot is and, and he's broke into a car and he, I don't, he's, you get here quickly. As soon as I said quickly, the guy poked his head up and that guy was huge. And he's looking at me like this, you know, and I've got the phone and I'm saying, get here quickly, just saw me. And I duck down and I'm going around the parking lot like this. And then he gets in his car and he takes out. I go, whew, he left. But he's in a two-door brown Monte Carlo and he's headed south on Douglas Street. And sure enough, they caught him. And then they said, sir, we need you to identify him. So I go over to the car, and he's in the car, and he's got his hands cuffed, and he's looking at me, and he's not happy, and he's yelling out words that I can't use in my Easter message, and, and I went, that's him? How could I do that? I mean, the guy could have pulverized me with one swing. How could I do that? Because the very force that I feared when I was driving over the speed limit became the force that protected me and rescued me, right? They were going to take care of me, right? And it's interesting because they said, and sir, we're going to need your name because if this ever goes to trial, we'll need you to come and testify. I said, sure, my name is Anigo Montoya. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I gave him Joe Hishma again 
again because, because I trusted in the power of the police more than the threat that was before me. You see, we move from fear to faith when we realize that the very person we're accountable to, the very person we're responsible to, Jesus, our judge, is also our savior. The disciples realized that about Jesus. They were accountable to him. They failed him. But he rose from the grave. And they put their faith in him. You know, that's, that's the reality. Many people just fear God. And they don't like his authority. But that's all they do. And so we keep God at that distance. But the resurrection really has been the whole picture of God's work for us. On the cross, Jesus paid our ransom. The same God who who we're responsible and accountable to, even though we might fear him, even though we might experience shame and guilt with him, is the same one who rescues us from his wrath and our sin. Since he resurrected, we can boldly approach God through faith in the person and work of his son, Jesus. They moved from fear to faith, and so can you. Secondly, the resurrection moved his disciples from helplessness to hope. You know, without the resurrection, what happened to Jesus was a really bad deal. He was unjustly arrested. He was unjustly tried and crucified. It was perhaps one of the most historically documented injustices against a man. Yet, the resurrection shifted the whole focus the bad deal becomes the good news. And, and again, if I can just point you back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, it says, And it was God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. Do you see how that, when you have faith, hope follows. Hope is always tethered to faith. Peter tells us that it's been the plan of God all along. It's it's that he would raise the son and Jesus would give us hope. Our faith and our hope are in God through the resurrection. Now I want you to think with me real quickly about something in your life that makes you feel helpless. Maybe it's a relationship or maybe it's it's your finances or your health or a job or even just the overall picture of your life. In order for that to change, in order for you to move out of helplessness into hope, something from the outside must enter your life. Something beyond your capacity, even beyond what you can see. Like, if you're in debt right now, all of a sudden, on Easter, the door knocks. You know, and you open up the door, it's your rich uncle. He pays all of your bills and makes all your wildest dreams come true. Or or what about if you're out of work right now? You get a call tomorrow morning and you get a new job with higher pay and greater vacation. Or you have this horrible diagnosis. But you have a doctor who shows up from the outside and they've been skilled and trained to do surgery. Or maybe your cancer goes into remission. Or you're in a dating relationship and it ends. But then a single attractive girl named Penny moves in next door. See, someone from the outside makes a difference. Something or some, someone has to come from the outside and beyond your capacity to change your reality. 
Well, that's what the resurrection happened. It was the power of God who raised Jesus from the dead. And the disciples realized that. And they put their faith and found their hope in Christ. I find this about people and hope. Most of us really don't live in the reality of the hope of Jesus. The reality of that is that we tend to find hope in ourselves. We tend to look at it on the inside, and we ignore the outside hope that's been given to us. And the results are we go through life either feeling helpless or just plain unsure. And and therefore, we put our hope in our own morality or our own accomplishments or our income or even our potential. But what happens? What happens when you don't make the cut? What happens when your dreams don't come into fruition? What happens when you have a major fail of character, a lapse that surprises even you? Maybe it's an outburst of anger or something. What happens? Well, we tend to still try to find hope in ourselves. We try to go, oh, I'm not that bad, or we compare us with other people. We tend to be much more lenient on ourselves. But then, when someone, if someone takes hope from us, if someone steals from us or ruins our plan, look out. All of our revenge, all of our anger goes out on them. It reminds me of the story. Story of a woman who had this long illness and she dies. And she goes to heaven and she arrives at the gates of heaven. And she looks inside the other side of the gates and she sees her parents and all the loved ones in her life who had died and gone before her. And they're sitting around this banquet table and they're going, Hey, it's so good to see you. Come on in. We'd love to have you. And she longs to go in and at just around that time, St. Peter walks by, and she goes, wow, this is a beautiful place. How do I get in here? He says, it's simple. You need to remember to spell a name. She goes, name? What name? He says, Jesus. She goes, yes, I know Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. He goes, welcome to heaven, and she comes into heaven. Two years after being in heaven, she looks, and outside the gates is her husband waiting. And she goes, honey, it's you. I've waited for you. Come on in. This place is awesome. How have you been? He says, wow, things have really been great since you died. I mean, I married the young nurse who used to take care of you when you were ill. I won the lotto. Remember that dinky house we lived in with the faucets that always leaked? I built a mansion on this hill and have loads of property. And recently, we've been traveling all around the world, experiencing life. It's been awesome. But I was snow skiing and I hit a tree and so here I am. How do I get in? She said, well, you need to be able to spell a name. He goes, name? What name? She says, Shashevsky. Okay, that's my final four joke. But, but the reason I shared that is you don't want the basis of your hope in the hands of anyone else than the one who is your judge and your savior in the hands of Jesus. That's who we need to find our hope. You don't need to find it in people around you and what their opinion is or even your estimation of yourself. That's always skewed. And it's not truth. 
Your true identity, your true hope is in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And the resurrection brings hope to helpless people. Hope is provided by the person and the work of Jesus. Our faith and our hope are are in God because of the resurrection. And then finally, the resurrection moved them from being lost to love. They were loved. Have you ever been lost? It's actually one of my earliest experiences as a as a human. I mean, I was four years old. Let me take you back to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. At four years old, I had three uh, older siblings. They all went to school, and my, so I was shopping with my mom. And before there was Walmart or Kmart, there was Treasure Island. And I went into Treasure Island with my mom. I hated to shop. Some of you four-year-olds know what I'm talking about. And so I would look for those circular clothes racks. You know what I'm talking about? I'm a child of the 70s. And I would go inside those circular clothes racks, and there was always a fort. And that became my playground. This one that I was in just had this this really nice soft clothes in it, and I was just having a ball. And occasionally when I was playing there, I'd poke my head out when my mom was looking at clothes, and I would go, boo, and (laughs) everything was great. Well, I did that on this one, and I went, boo, but that wasn't my mom. And she said a word that I didn't quite know yet. (laughs) But, But her reaction just gave me the reality, I am lost. I am lost. And I did what every four-year-old does. Mom! And I didn't hear anything. And so I did the other thing that the four-year-old does. I started to cry. And then the clerk came. And she was this woman dressed up. She was kind of gruff. She had that aqua blue vest. Ugly. And, I mean, she was a nice-looking woman, but the vest was ugly. And she... She grabbed my hand and she brought me all the way to the front of the store. And then we went up these stairs to the service area. And it was, we could look over the whole store. And, and she said, hey, I found this kid in the woman's intimate apparel. And he's lost. He needs a mom. And then the lady, I mean, <laughs> have you ever seen Monsters, Inc. and see the clerk? I think her name was Roz or something. That was that woman. And she said, she went on the intercom, so you hear this, we've got a lost boy, his name is Joey. Joey needs to find his mom, would you please come to the service desk and find, your, find Joey? And then she went off. And then in the distance, I could see my mom making her way there. And I didn't know what she was going to say to me. I was kind of nervous. But instead of her wrath, I got her love. And she put her arms around me. Joey, don't wander anymore. And I learned, I learned a point really early in my life that it's painful and it's lonely to wander from the people who love you. It stuck with me all. I mean, to this day, when I'm shopping with my family and I don't know where they are, they all know this. It's, I call out. That's the call, the Hishma call. Guys, convene, convene. Dad is lost. So with a number of people, number of people who are going to hear this message, if you hear that at like Home Depot or Dillard's, you know I'm lost, okay? But I never like being lost. To this day, I've, I've stayed close because I know the pain of being alone. And away from those who love you. 
That's where the, that's where the disciples were until the resurrection. And that becomes the whole foundation for the gospel advancing through the lives of people. That's where this good news comes into all of our lives. Is that the death of Jesus exposed his followers to loss, but the resurrection declared his love. Jesus finds Peter at the Sea of Galilee after he resurrects. And Peter's there fishing, the same place where Jesus originally found him. And, and he asks Peter, do you love me? Three times. Three times. Peter gets pretty frustrated. And then all of Jesus' teachings actually take on, they're more vibrant. And they have better understanding when you realize, like in John 15, when Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then he says this, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Jesus is staying, saying, stay close. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, Jesus said, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Church, love is the most powerful motivation in our lives. When you love someone, you will have no problem following them. And Jesus called them to respond in love. The, the resurrection moved them to willingly obey him and follow him. They followed how Jesus loved them. And they even gave up their lives in the way that Jesus gave up his life for them. They gave up their lives for others. How do you move from being lost to loved? Well, you engage this God of love with faith. Peter connects it together in 1 Peter, again, verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you have not now seen him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Remember those who shared the stories earlier? about fear, helplessness, and loss, I want you to hear the rest of their stories. And these are people from our church family who began to trust the true story of Jesus in their lives. Take a look at this. So I saw the true story about Jesus, and I believed the true story about Jesus, but I just didn't know what to do. But literally two hours after that service ended, God pulled the carpet out from underneath me. My life with Jesus has not always been perfect. I struggled with an eating disorder for three years. I had a marriage of 15 years that fell apart. My crime and my lies were exposed, and I was arrested. I was thrown in jail. I lost everything shortly after that. I lost my career. I lost my friends. But I also, in the midst of that, heard God calling me. And I responded to that call, and I walked into the doors of this church. I was just in complete anguish. But it was in that anguish, and with a humble heart, I fell to my knees and I asked God for forgiveness. Since I came to Jesus and, and, and went beyond the story, He has transformed my life in so many ways. Uh, my marriage is stronger. I know how to love my wife because I see how Jesus loves me. And He's been able to, um, from that point on, show me His love and show me how much He loves me. How I deal with my friends is different. I don't measure myself to anybody but to Jesus, and that reminds me daily as to why I need Him, because I fall so short. Um, it's opened so many doors for me. Um, 
Now I'm available for the church and for its ministries. Uh, I actually work here at the church now, which I can see God's work at hand day in and day out, and that alone is exciting to me. And so I recommitted my life because I wanted to be a part of the story again. I have a greater confidence this day than I did um, even a year ago. And I just see some things on the horizon that God is leading me to, and I'm excited to see those come to fruition. So when I think about the future, I think about how I now have hope in my life and how I don't have to be, uh, how I don't have to hide anything and be deceitful, but now I can be honest and I can share my story, God's story, and how He's uh, saved my life and put me in a much better place. The true story of Jesus is that He loves me, He is with me, He helps me through the dark times, and I have realized that dark times are actually a necessity and not the, the happier times in growth in life and growing with Jesus. The true story of Jesus is that it's still going on. The story has not ended. The question is whether you want to be a part of the story or not. For people who might be going through the same issues I was going through just last Easter, maybe going through anguish or feeling lost or no hope in their life. So I, I would just pray that my story become available to them. If you want to be a part of Jesus' story, all you have to do is let him into your heart, accept what he did on the cross for you, and then begin to follow him. Don't just know the story, but follow him and be a part of that story. So we've seen the true story of Jesus, and you've heard how the first believers followed him and became people of faith, hope, and love. Do you know that's a response that we pray for everyone? That's actually the reason why we're a church is because we want everyone to be people of faith, hope, and love. And it's exactly who Jesus was. And, and when we are people like that, we reflect him in all we do. You know, I told you that I would invite you into a response because I believe that the true story of the resurrection calls for a response. And I'm not here to elicit an emotional response, but I do know, however, for a fact, that every year we do our Easter services, that there are people who walk in each, each time, and they feel distant from God, they feel frustrated from hope, and they feel lacking in love. But I want to call you into a response where you can move from that to being a person of faith, hope, and love because of the person and the work of Jesus. This response is simple, but it's, a, it's your first step in faith. Here's the first step. Admit your need. We need to all admit that we do fall short. None of us are perfect. And instead of comparing ourselves with the people around us and how we stack up with our peers or other people, we need to look to Jesus because that's who we're compared to. And we all fall short of his glory, right? We're all not the people we even want to be, let alone measure up to who God requires us to be. We need Jesus. He's the one who brings from the outside into our lives. Secondly, we need to ask him to forgive us because the same one who we're responsible to and the same one who's our judge is also our rescuer. We need to come to Jesus and literally ask him to forgive us and to thank him for being our hope. And then finally, we need to be willing to trust in the person and the work of Jesus. 
Some of you have been wandering, you felt distant, you've been separated from the God who loves you. Easter is an open invitation to come back to that God and to turn your trust away from yourself, to start trusting in what he's done for you. I know many of you come from religious backgrounds that you're all based on, it's all based on what you're doing or what you've done. And if you're good enough, you get in. And if you're not, you you can't get in. But that's totally blown away by the work of Jesus. It doesn't match it. If that were true, he would have never had to come, die on a cross, and rise on the third day. Because we can't save ourselves, we have to trust Jesus. I want to just lead you, if you would like to do this, if you would like to move to faith, hope, and love and re- in response to the resurrection, I want to lead you in a prayer. And, and I want you to, this is, this is more than just words. This needs to be a sincere expression of your heart. Let me lead you in this. Would you just bow your heads with me? If you'd like to be a person of faith, pray, God, I have sinned. I'm responsible to you with my sin. I admit them to you and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus is my savior and I trust his work on the cross and from the grave for me. God, I receive your forgiveness and eternal life through him. Thank you for loving me. I need your love in my life. Help me to love and to follow you, whatever that's going to look like. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, um, some of you have responded for the very first time in your lives. You moved from someone of fear when you were thinking about God to being a person of faith and the person in the work of Jesus. I just want to applaud what God has done in your life. I really think uh, this Easter is such a fitting time of a Savior who gives us new life, that that new life is now in you. And on your worship bulletin here, I just want to call your attention to this response card at the bottom of it. You can either fill out this card if you prayed that prayer with me for the first time. You can either fill this card out or we've made a real easy form online and it's at fbctruestory, all all together, dot com. And you can go on your smartphone and see the exact form that's on this paper. We have ushers passing out um, pencils if you don't have a pen. But I'd like you to give some thought to this. Work through this. If today was the first time you put your faith in Christ, let us know. No one's going to show up at your door. We're not going to hound you. But here's what we want to do. We want to pray for you. We think you need support. You need encouragement. And so we have people dedicated who are going to pray for you. Secondly, we want to give you some resources. And I want to direct your attention on the screen. It's called My First 50 Days with Jesus. This has been a resource that we provide, and it's a daily email that's sent to your uh, email address each day for the next 50 days. You'll start, it, start getting it tomorrow. But here's what we hear. Literally hundreds of people have gone through my first 50 days with Jesus. 
we've, uh, we've built this at Fellowship. And here's what I hear from people. I could read this wherever I was. It was so helpful. It took me beyond a moment in church to understand my purpose and my role in God's work in the world. Other people have said it taught me how to pray. Others said I opened up the Bible and I learned how to read it. You can get this free resource simply for asking for it. Either fill out this card or go online right now. I mean, I just tested it. It works. And, and just press those buttons there and, and press submit once you give us your email address. If today you might have reconnected with Christ. If today was kind of like your treasure island moment where you just said, I'm lost and I want to get reconnected. Maybe you had been a part of a church earlier, but you've just kind of let that drift. If you've reconnected, we'd also like to start you in my first 50 days with Jesus. So sign up for that. One of the first responses that Jesus calls all believers in is to be baptized. And in two weeks at Fellowship Bible Church, we're going to be having a baptism service. If you'd like to be baptized, check that box so that we can contact you and prepare for that time. But our band is going to play a response song. And as you think and respond with this card or online form, I'd just like to encourage you, now's a great time when we clear away all the distractions of our lives and of our week to focus on the true story of Jesus. Respond to him. It's our desire as a church that everybody leaves here with the opportunity to be a person of faith, hope, and love. I hope you've heard that invitation and it's my prayer that you'll respond to that invitation. After we, this song, uh, we're going to have a few announcements. We'll take the offering. You can put the card in that offering bucket as that's passed. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be in this place talking about your son, Jesus. And we thank you how he moves us through his resurrection from fear, helplessness, and loss to be people of faith, hope, and love. I think for, thank you for each person you drew to this place. And may our response change our world because of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.